We here are all such innovative people. So I am telling you, if you want to change the world, you're at Georgia Tech. You can do that. If you want to build the Iron Man suit, you're at Georgia Tech. You can do that. If you want to play theme music during your convocation speech like a badass, we're at Georgia Tech. We can do that. I am doing that. And we are doing this. This is the 21st episode of the podcast known as What's the Good Word? It is a podcast about Georgia Tech athletics by Georgia Tech alum and fans for Georgia Tech alum and fans. My name is Steven. I am the alum. His name is Joshua. He is the fan. Joshua, now more than ever, what's the good word? To hell with Georgia. I want to give a quick shout out to all of our Georgia Tech alum and fans that listen to this program. And I want to tell you something as we are recording this uh, on the right in the second week of January. This is a safe space for you as far as how the college football season ended. We won't say anything else about it. I don't want to talk about it. I know you guys don't want to either. So this is a safe space where that will not be discussed. There is no uh, talk of shirts or uh, tumblers or Facebook posts or anything like that. We're a safe place here because we're going to talk about Georgia Tech athletics, which unfortunately isn't a safe space in its own right now. To put it simply, you will not be barked at on this podcast. Amen to that. We will not make animal sounds. And that's because, so, and that's because, you know, we know what the good word is to hell with Georgia. Period. So, all right. First, first story. <laughs> Go ahead and get into it. Um, a lot of movement on the transfer portal uh, during the last week or so. Uh, the first one I'll just kind of briefly touch on Ryan King, the transfer wide receiver coming from Georgia Tech, has picked his school, um, Eastern Carolina University. Or East Carolina University. Um, Ryan King, obviously, he was a relatively big wide receiver uh, prospect when he came to Tech, and I mean that literally. He's about 6'3". Uh, never really got a chance to get on the field with Tech. Didn't really get a lot of snaps. Had very few receptions in his Tech career. So now he's going to um, a smaller level school. You know, not not a not a big time school, uh, but a school nonetheless, a Division One program. And as we say to everybody that has transferred out of the Georgia Tech program, we wish him nothing but the best. And you know, peace, love, and success in your future career. Now, onto the fun stuff. The people that Georgia Tech is bringing in. We told you that Brent Key was may or may not be done with the portal after the six people that he had brought in originally. And guess what? Oh, he was not done, not by a long shot. So, first and foremost, a new offensive line uh, player in Georgia Tech system goes by the name of Jordan Brown. Jordan Brown is an offensive lineman from Charlotte University. Uh, he comes in as a redshirt sophomore, so he will have three years of eligibility left with Tech. And we may have the COVID year in here. I don't know. I got to remind myself of, like, who has the COVID year and who's not because we're finally starting to get kids into the pro- in programs that don't have the COVID year. And they ha- only have their normal four years plus a redshirt. Either way, so um, he didn't play a ton last year at Charlotte. He only played 62 offensive snaps, um, and he played them all at left tackle. But um, he was rel- like relatively highly sought after in the transfer portal. The biggest program looking at him was Auburn. He was actually considered an Auburn lean for a period of time until he did pick up on Georgia Tech. So there's that. Um, switching to the other side of the line, we have a defensive lineman coming in for Georgia Tech. 
Etenosa Rubin. Very nice name. I enjoy saying that name. Uh, he comes over from the Clemson Tigers. He's 6'3", 295. I believe he will be a senior this next year. Although, again, because of that, I do think he does have he, he had a COVID year in there, so he has two years of eligibility. Um, obviously, playing at Clemson, he's played behind multiple first-round picks, uh, Brian Brisset, Miles Murphy, Xavier Thomas, and the people that they've produced in the last year or two. So he hasn't gotten on the field a ton. Um, last year, I think he might have dealt with some injuries. He was only active for two games. 2021 was where he saw his most action, and that was where he actually put up some decent um, some decent numbers. He had 14 total tackles, two and a half sacks, three and a half tackles for loss in a rotational role. So um, seems like a bit of, like a pretty good athlete. He was a highly sought after recruit coming out of high school, top 500 type player. Uh, so a decent, a good solid get, uh, typical of the kind of the Brent Key uh, air. And then two wide receivers coming into the receiver room for Georgia Tech. We'll start with. The first one that's a little bit more of an unknown commodity, and that is Christian O'Leary coming from the dynasty over in Alabama. Um, he's going to be a junior this coming year. He's 5'10", 175 pounds. He was a top 100 prospect coming out of high school. Now, because it's Alabama, that didn't mean as much as it would mean if he was at Georgia Tech, so he didn't, hasn't gotten on the field a lot in his career. He has had three catches for 10 yards, but he's got some speed. Seems like a potential slot receiver option to go along with Malik Rutherford. And I mean, you know, upside play, why not swing the bat at a kid from Alabama? And the last one coming from the smallest program so far, correct me if I say this wrong, but I'm saying it the way it's spelled. Duquesne? No, it's uh, it's actually called Duquesne. There's no A in there. How is it Duquesne? Yeah, well, there was a there was a former music artist back when I was in college that uh, spelled her name S A D E and they pronounced it Charday. So don't ask me things like that. Okay, so uh, Abdul Jannay coming from Duque, um, <laughs> six foot three, hundred eighty pound receiver uh, coming in. He's going to be a junior. He actually produced. He actually has numbers. This past season, he had forty four catches, six hundred four yards, nine touchdowns. Another big body to put in that receiver room. Going to go really well with Leo Blackburn and James Blackstrain, who's already there. Um, seems like a good uh, play on a kid that played really well at a smaller level. Um, did have some injury things. Only was active for five games last year. But uh, for three of those games, he had more than 70 yards. So v- relatively talented kid um, and excited to see what he can do at Georgia Tech. Uh, we certainly won't uh, spend too, any more than we have to on on uh, Duquesne versus Duquesne. I'll just say the S is silent. How about that? Can we agree to that and move on? Sure. All right. Uh, quickly covering uh, the women's basketball team. Uh, by the way, we are uh, – I forgot to say this at the top of the show. We do half the show about as many news items as we can about athletics, and then we get into the – uh, what we call the chunk or the the focus of the program. Uh, today we'll be talking about the uh, football coaching staff is fully installed. And so we're going to, Joshua's going to give us a, a breakdown of all the names and we'll have a quick discussion about it. Um, so uh, let me cover uh, women's basketball real quick. Unfortunately, in both the women's and the men's, this is turning into quickly a long season. We'll talk about the men in a second, but Unfortunately, the women suffered two more losses in the ACC this past week. They now stand at 0-5 in the conference. They had two road games. They played uh, at Louisville and lost 63-55. to 
and they played at Wake Forest and lost 51-50. to So as I stated, they are now 0-5 in the conference. They do have two games this weekend at home. They play Miami at home on Thursday the 12th at 8 o'clock, and Sunday they play against Duke at 4 o'clock. Of course, both of those are at McCamish. Uh, I believe, uh, just a quick reminder to myself, it is two of three straight home games. They'll also play Syracuse uh, a week from Thursday. So three straight games. Come on, Lady Jackets. Get on the winning side. Uh, This is a rebuilding year for the women's team. No question about it. They said that going in. I don't think they wanted to start 0-5. No one does. Uh, It's been a tough start for them. Uh, So we wish them the best this week uh, in their games against Miami and Duke. Yes. Well, uh, Georgia Tech did get into the win column on the men's side in ACC play. But in this past week, they've both gotten their best win of the college basketball season and suffered their worst loss. Sad face. So three games going to go through them relatively quickly. Um, If you watched them, you know. If not, you know, take a look at the box score, kind of see what happens. I'll give you the highlights. So to start off on on Wednesday, January 4th, in a game that we all thought they were going to get killed, Georgia Tech pulled out a win against the University of Miami. At the time, they were tw- the 12th ranked team in the in the NCAA. They were number one in the ACC. Georgia Tech won 76 to 70. Uh, the main key behind this game, Miami. Sh- Not a great recipe for success to win basketball games when you're only shooting 35% from. And they also shot 68% from the free throw line. So Georgia Tech was able to overcome the 15 turnovers, turn, uh, get a six-point win. Lance Terry had his best game by far as a yellow jacket, 24 points on 13 shots. Everybody else kind of chipped in where they could, uh, 14 from Debo, 20 from Miles Kelly, albeit on 17 shots. Uh, Jalen Moore had 10. Uh, biggest part of this game um, on the Hurricane side is Georgia Tech was able to hold Isaiah Wong, who is a contender for ACC Player of the Year, to one of eleven shooting and zero of eight from three. So quite the performance from the Yellow Jackets. And so then, of course, good. You want to say something? Yeah, I was going to say I believe Lance Terry uh, it was just a point or two off of his career high uh, from his days at Gardner Webb. So by far his best game as a Jacket and almost his best game of his collegiate career. Yeah, he was he was he was on one uh, to say the least. So of course, in typical Georgia Tech basketball fashion, at least for this season, they followed that up on Saturday with a loss to Florida State, seventy-five to sixty-four. Now, beginning of the year, we had circled Florida State as a team that was off to a horrible start, and they were one of the most disappointing teams. In all fairness, they've kind of started to put some things together. Um, they now have a winning record in the ACC. It's It wasn't as easy of a game as we had originally made it out to be at the beginning of the year. I think there was some gelling to be done. Some guys were getting healthy. Either way, uh, it doesn't excuse the fact that Georgia Tech uh, did not. They were playing well. They kept this game close. But then, typical fashion, Florida State went on a run where Tech couldn't hold on to the ball. And when they actually did hold on to the ball, they couldn't hit their shots. And Florida State was just raining threes on them. At one point, I do believe they led by about 20-something. Uh, tech and then in most tech fashion uh, they tried to make the game look a lot closer than it was by going on a nice little run when the game was already kind of in pocket uh, to make it the 11 point game uh, Lance Terry had another good game 17 points 6 of 15 shooting other than that I mean Miles Kelly continued his relatively good season um, then nobody else was really 
really did much. You know, Rodney Howard in 30 minutes had zero points and four rebounds. How many turnovers so, did Rodney Howard have? Uh, that's way too see. many. Um, according to Bleach Report, it says zero, but we know that's not true. That's so. Low. Yeah. Um, Bleach Report old, had, <coughs> had 13 turnovers. I think we're thinking of the Miami game as well, where Rodney Howard had multiple plays where he just uh, you know, kind of I'm thinking of the basketball. Unfortunately, I'm thinking of most of Rodney Howard's career. How many times has he fumbled the ball, missed a layup? Just yeah. Goes for a goes for a rebound and it comes off his hands out of bounds. It's just I'm getting tired of it. Sorry, a little yes. frustrated. It's okay, and probably and that's because of the third game. Well, can yes. I cover the third game real we, quick? Let, let me take over. We just game. watched this game. We're recording this on Tuesday. Yeah. So as we're recording this, it is it is te- it is ten to ten uh, at night on Tuesday, the tenth. We just got done watching a game that Georgia Tech. Played not so great, but still should have won. They lost in overtime at Notre Dame, 73-72. Uh, this was just a this was a grind of a game. This was a game of two teams that are probably going to end up in the bottom four of the ACC uh, at the end of the season if they, especially if they don't improve much. Notre Dame cannot shoot very well. Uh, our de- I'd like to say it's our defense, but our defense was good in spots, but not great. They ju- they missed a bunch of open shots. We, of course, did our typical thing where we uh, missed open shots. We missed a lot of open threes. We got a lot of open looks. This was the game of all the ACC games so far. We had more open looks, and then we just we we couldn't shoot enough to win this game. We had a seven point lead. I believe with about two and a half minutes left, maybe three minutes left, we had had this nice run. We we actually stepped up our defense, got some stops, but we just couldn't put it away. Um, Kyle Sturdivant had his best game of the year by far. Kyle Sturdivant and Davon Smith really led us in this game. Uh, but then mm-hmm. Kyle, after hitting some really good shots, just kind of down the stretch, they kept, and Josh has done this in the past where he finds a play and he just keeps running it. And Kyle was able to body his guy down and get some buckets, but then he just kept doing it and doing it. And he wasn't getting good shots anymore. He was getting fadeaways and getting blocked and it just, it wasn't working. And we end up, you know, going to overtime uh, and we end up losing in overtime. Um, I have now, I would like uh, all of our audience to, uh, I'm going to try and get a, a, I don't know if it's a viral or a hashtag or whatever it is, but I I have figured out so far to this point in the season a great definition for this team and for us as fans. This is a team that has the runs really badly, and all of us fan and alumni are getting nauseous. Yeah, that, that, yeah that's one way to put it. So um, I a um, I, couple other little things. Let me just rant, and then I want to hear what you're thinking. Um, we, the end of the game, uh, we actually had a, the ball goes out of bounds. We're down one, 3.7 seconds. We have the ball under our basket. Uh, they don't have it. We don't have any timeouts left. Uh, but we get the ball. I, I, we ran the dumbest out of bounds play that I've seen it. it, And while they were checking the monitor, we actually, you had time to set something up and, and they ran some kind of lob to the 15 foot line with Javon and and I'm Jay. not 100% sure that Debo 
took you know, like carried out the play the way that it was drawn up. I'm not 100 percent sure. Yeah. Whatever it was, you Debo kind of put it into no man's land and and forced Javon into an incredibly tough spot. Well, listeners of this show will know that I am a big Josh Pastner fan. That isn't going to change, even if I am frustrated. But I, I can't believe our out of bounds plays are absolutely atrocious. Um, we, we, before that, before, uh, was it in, uh, uh, regular time that we, uh, he called a timeout with seven seconds left on the shot clock and they set up the dumbest play. It looked like they barely got the ball in bounds. Miles Kelly had it and didn't know how much time was left on the shot clock. And they got the horrible shot. I mean, it's just, just absolutely terrible guys. This is a young team. There's no question about that. And young teams are hard to watch, and it's so frustrating because I see the talent, I see the potential, but we lack a point guard, we lack a big man. I, I'm gonna stop talking. You respond real quick, and and then I I do want to. We had a listener that I wanted to give some credit to who sent yes. us something. So please, I'm gonna shut up. You you well, talk. Um, I mean, I'm with you on that. We need a big man, but I'll tell you what, Javon Franklin is doing his darndest to be the greatest six foot seven center in the history of basketball. Uh, in this game uh, that went to overtime, Javon Franklin played 42 minutes, and he had 12 points, three assists, one steal, four blocks, 12 rebounds, with six of those rebounds being of the offensive nature. So Javon was putting his nose everywhere, to, to put it simply. But uh, the biggest takeaway from this game for me is that while there's talent in there, um, it's it like you said, it's young, so it tends to wax and wane. And when your best players are sophomores, there's always going to be some hills and valleys. Um, Miles Kelly and Debo Coleman has not had a great stretch of games. Uh, this was another one. He went two of eight, oh of six from three. Uh, Miles Kelly, three of ten from the field, three of seven from three. Not a great game. So yeah, because your you know, best players are nineteen to twenty year olds, there's always going to kind of be some dips and some some peaks. Uh, you want to see a little bit more consistency. And the biggest yeah. issue so far with this team is that the seniority that we do have hasn't really – like this is the first time Kyle Sturdivant has shown up all year. You know, Rodney Howard got benched in this game because he wasn't doing anything to help the team. Uh, Davon Smith has been up and down because his his play has just been so, you know, right. roller coastery. So in this – when you the seniors that are supposed to be – kind of rocks to lean on have not been that. And the sophomores have been about what you expect. And uh, we noticed Jalen Moore did not play in this game. I don't know if there was an injury or if it was disciplinary. I, I have no idea. Because I, 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 when I saw the starting lineups had Rodney and Javon uh, Franklin in the starting lineup, I was like, finally, I've been asking them to do that. Uh, but then Jalen didn't play. So I'm like, okay, well, that now explains it. Uh, either Rodney needs to stop playing more. I, I don't know why Javon hadn't played more the last few games. Maybe that groin injury was was slowing him more. But I wouldn't mind seeing Rodney, Javon, and Jalen all in the game as a front line. No, absolutely not. Uh, yeah. yeah, give yourself yeah. some size. And then three guys that can't shoot. Come on. Uh, Jalen, Jalen's got Jaylen some moves. Jalen can't shoot. Uh, he can't, can't shoot, shoot outside, but he, okay, whatever. Just get bigger, and that's your best chance to get bigger. That's my only thing. But if yeah. nothing else, uh, Jay, uh, we do agree Javon Franklin needs to play a lot more. Maybe not 42 minutes a night or 40 minutes, whatever it is. I, I, um, I don't advocate for that, but, I mean, the, the dude's a bulldog. So the longer he's out there, I think the better it is for the team. 
All right. We uh, so apparently we had two chunks. We we were we had three games to cover with the basketball. Listen, so that was a lot of news. I get do, us going on basketball. It's a different. Yeah, I, I do want to give a, a shout out, a uh, friend of the show, one of our uh, most loyal fans and listeners, who by the way has texted both you and I and or, and emailed, reached out to email. By the way, how do people reach the show if they want to reach the show? Uh, easiest way is to email me at joshuajulian26. Julian is spelled J-U-L-I-A-N. Joshua Julian 26 at outlook.com. And if you're nice and you're reasonable, we might actually give you our cell number so we can text and talk tech sports because one of our uh, favorite listeners who has uh, reached out to us many times, uh, Kent, he did, uh, uh, he did say, uh, he, he texted me and emailed us or emailed Joshua forward it to me. We gave him number and he texted us and he was talking about the Miami win. And he said, uh, what's interesting about that win is that we didn't play lights out. And that's true. We didn't. So we played hard and pushed back on the runs. So it was the one time that the runs didn't make us nauseous. Uh, our D <laughs> did look better, especially the zone, which then I find interesting because tonight we barely played zone. Uh, we played yeah, more. That was interesting. We seem to make up uh, with teams that are not too big and physical. Those teams tend to own us. Uh, so, uh, he said, one other thing, our two weakest positions are one and five. Neither of our point guards are dependable, especially in key moments. Now, tonight, Davon and Kyle had moments and did oh, do some good dependable things. Dependable people. Yeah. Uh, so putting Debo there really made a difference. And it did. In the Miami game, it really did. He didn't do anything spectacular, but he didn't make mistakes. Uh, as far as number five, not sure we can do anything about that. Howard just plays much smaller than he is, and Franklin is a four trying to play a five. So Kent absolutely agrees with us, and thank you for your thought. Uh, if you, uh, as a listener of the show, you want to interact with us, we certainly will uh, share your opinions on the air, uh, even if we don't agree with them all the time. That's okay. It, it, unlike Absolutely. other idiot, unlike other idiotic schools that we're not going to mention, uh, we actually can agree to disagree, and it's okay because. We believe in the power of uh, conversation. All right, Joshua, uh, it is that time to go into the second part of the show. I don't think the second part of the show means we're going to go another 30 minutes for sure. We'll see what happens. I don't think so. Yeah, I always have a goal. So. And I don't really have a ton to add. This is absolutely 100% your realm. I'll try to make a pithy comment or ask a good question, but uh, it is now official. Brent Key has his entire staff together. Oh, oh, hey, whoa. Hang on. Yes, I, I was I was wondering if that was intentional. You forgot the swimmer. I did. I forgot uh, I forgot a couple pieces of information. Real quick, uh, if you guys aren't uh, yet going to ramblinrec.com, I'd encourage you to do that. It's a real good place to get all your sports news. Uh, the men's tennis team has announced their 2023 spring schedule. That is available if you go to ramblinrec.com. Also, two other quick pieces of information. Uh, a, uh, one of uh, our softball players... Uh, her name is Emma Kauf. I hope I'm saying that correctly. Uh, em Emma uh, Kauf or Kauf. Uh, she is the preseason uh, in the preseason D100 player rankings uh, for Division One softball. She is a catcher, senior leader uh, of our softball team, and she was recognized as one of the top 100 players preseason. So kudos to her. And then uh, our swimming and diving team has been having some meets and some competitions over this month. And uh, one of our male swimmers was named ACC Men's Swimmer of the Week as he absolutely dominated at the last couple of meets over the last week. His name is Batur Unlu. I hope I'm saying his name correctly. I believe he is Scandinavian. Uh, there's U's on either end of his name with the two dots over it. So if I said it wrong, hey, 
English ain't our biggest subject at tech, but I'm sure he can find, uh, I'm sure he can find the derivative while also kicking everybody's butt in uh, freestyle, which was his main uh, thing. He, uh, he championed three events. He won the 200 free, the 100 free and the 500 free. He was also part of the men's 200 free relay uh, that placed second uh, and uh, did that against number eight, Texas A&M and number nine, Auburn. Uh, over over the weekend, so kudos down with the SEC. Yep, kudos to Unlo Unlu. So. Here we go. Very nice. All right. Well, you alluded to it a little bit, but we're gonna go ahead and get into it this time for real. Although I will throw one more one more shout out. One more for shout realsies. out. Georgia Tech alone, Derek Favors just got signed to a ten day contract with the Atlanta Hawks. Shout out to him. Unfortunately, I do think his career is starting to come towards an end. Um, Gee, what gave you that idea? Maybe the 10-day contract? The 10-day contract and the fact that I think is the last time he was playing, he was with the uh, Thunder, which is typically where older players go to die. So um, either way, we are going to be talking about the football program again. And this is more less about the players and more about the people behind the players, and that is the coaching staff. Um, with a new head coach coming in, more often than not, you do see um, – you know, coaching turnover. Uh, there's a lot of, you know, people get hired and fired. You're going to see it uh, a few places in the NFL this year. In fact, when, when a head coach goes, normally his coordinators go with him, right? So the big coach key, uh, the biggest thing that uh, we need to point out, the re- there was not a lot of turnover on the defensive side of the ball. And a lot of that comes down to the fact that um, before Key took over, the defense was given up 36.7 points per game against FBS opponents versus 26.8 when Key took over. Now, some of that is Key didn't have to face Clemson and Ole Miss um, and, you know, those and, and those teams. They're the Two of the best teams that Tech faced was it during the Collins time. Yeah. But, you know, they still held North Carolina to um, a very low scoring output, made them play their worst game of the year. Uh, they still held a lot of the other teams they were playing to relatively low numbers. And the defense, as we talked about a lot on this podcast, looked a lot better once Thacker was given control. So Andrew Thacker has been retained as the defensive coordinator. Uh, he is still the primary play caller. So basically, if he can build off what we saw last year, this defense could be an above-average Power 5 unit. Um, the other returning coach is Traveris Tillman. He was the defensive backs coach. And again, considering what we said about the secondary, well-deserved for him to still be here. He earned that position. Um, Jason Samore, who was the linebackers coach last year, um, will still be on staff, but he's being transitioned to special teams coach, which is what he kind of became when Key took over, but now he is doing it full-time because there's a new linebackers coach in town, and he is goes by the name of Kevin Scherer. Now, Kevin Scherer has a long and storied um, coaching history. He doesn't tend to stay in one spot, more than three or four years. Um, he's been a high school coach at a lot of different places in Alabama, Tuscaloosa County High School, Spain Park, Hoover. Um, he was also on the Alabama staff for a couple of years as the director of player development in 2010 to, 2011, uh, 2010 to 2012. Um, defensive coordinating um, experience at South Alabama, also coached at Georgia and Tennessee. Um, and then in the last two years, he has been with the New York Giants as a linebackers coach there. So he is leaving the NFL to come coach at Georgia Tech. Um, very interesting get. Uh, he does have the two two national champions, he, championships he picked up with Alabama. Like I said, been everywhere. Um, a lot of experience in the Southeast. 
keep that in mind. That's going to become important. Now, the other big move on the defensive side of the ball, David Turner and Larry Knight. David Turner was the assistant head coach for defense and defensive renegade coordinator. Larry Knight was defensive line coach. They are both gone from the program. Uh, when that first happened, a lot of people were kind of confused, um, like even some players. I believe it was Zeke Biggers that came out and said, you know, why? No, thumbs down, shaking my head, whatever. George Tech ended up hiring um, a bigger name, and you, it all made sense in the end. George Tech brought back um, Marco Coleman to the flats. Um, those of you who have been fans for a while, Steven's shaking his head over there. Um, Marco Coleman was part of the 1990 national championship team at Georgia Tech. He left the program as the all-time sack leader, and he's a 13-year NFL veteran. Uh, he Drafted. I'm gonna I'm gonna interject because Good. Marco Coleman, Marco thing. Coleman was my guy because uh-huh. he was there when I was there. And not only that, he was drafted by at the time my favorite NFL team, the Miami Dolphins, and he had a fantastic NFL career. He was part of the Black Watch defense. So Marco Coleman is the man. So he knows a thing or two about getting after the quarterback. Huh? Yes. Okay. And well, he's and he's got and he's got a good coaching pedigree, which you'll tell us about a little yeah, bit. Yes. So he did coach at Georgia Tech actually in 2019 um, for a couple of years, and then he left for Michigan State in 2021 to coach the defensive line. Now he is back at Georgia Tech. Um, has had a few other things we're going to talk about here. Let me pull up his. So I got to pull up his uh, Wikipedia page real fast. Uh, so as a coach, he had he's coached a few other places. He also coached the uh, Oakland Raiders as a defensive line coach in 2018. So um, he's he's been he, around. You know, he's, he's, he's and notice this. he notice he knows what he does well. He's it's all defensive line coach, okay. right? Well, he has he made jumped. a career of. Right. He never went to D he never went to uh, a defensive coordinator. He never, you know, tried to become so far. He's only been coaching for a few years. So give him time. But either way, great pickup for the Yellow Jackets. Moving on to the offensive side of the ball. After what we saw last year, turnover was inevitable, as the great as Thanos would say. The only person that was retained from last season was quarterback coach Chris Winky. He is actually going to be co-offensive coordinator. Um, with somebody we're going to talk about here later. Uh, I think the main reason he's going to be one of the uh, offensive coordinators is because he's the quarterback's coach, so he kind of knows these guys. Um, He's credited a lot with helping develop Zach Pyron and helping work with Zach Gibson to kind of make him better throughout the year. Um, So a good, solid hold there. Um, Winky, we saw with every quarterback that went in, looked better pretty much game to game, right? Um, so the offensive coordinator, we've covered him a little bit, Buster Faulkner, um, officially now coming over. He is done with his stuff at that school in Athens with yet another championship ring on his. Yeah, um, safe space, holster. safe space, safe it's space. It's a safe space, but we must acknowledge it. He's also going to be a tight ends coach. Um, as we've said, offensive coordinator at Southern Mississippi and Middle Tennessee State. It'll be interesting to see how he translates to the Power 5 level to the ACC. Never been a play caller at that level, only an offensive analyst. Um, but I mean, based on the way that UGA's offense has looked the last few years, you know, if he can, if he can put Stetson Bennett in the Heisman finalists, uh, ceremony, let's see what he can do with an actual quarterback and not a future car salesman. Uh, it'll, it'll be quite the, it'll be quite the thing. Um, so the other, we've talked about, I'll mention this next one. Geep Wade, um, joins the staff. He's the offensive line coach. 
Um, he was at Appalachian State, Middle Tennessee, East Carolina, UT Martin, Georgia Southern, um, basically been all over the Southeast, similar to Buster Faulkner. Uh, so he's got he's got some experience uh, here. And actually, on twenty four seven, they talk about his six re- of his top six recruits in his time. Three of them come from, came from Georgia, so he's got some connections in this state. Um, the other two guys at the skill position level, Norval McKenzie, going to be the new running back coach, takes over from Mike Daniels and Donald Hill Ely. Um, he comes over from Vanderbilt, which is actually where he played um, when he was there. He was there from two thousand one to two thousand four. And he was a grad assistant there for three years. Um, he's recruited player. He recruited their quarterback, AJ Swan, over there and a few other people. So he's known as a good court, uh, recruiter. He's also coached at Furman, Arkansas State, and Louisville uh, before coming to Vanderbilt. So, again, Southeast ties, maybe? I, there, there might be a theme. Well, guess what? That theme gets stronger when you look at the final person to talk about, the wide receivers coach. Josh Crawford, he comes over from Western Kentucky, actually a big reason for Eric Singleton, one of the new uh, incoming freshman wide receivers, flipping on signing day. He was committed to Western Kentucky, and when Tech hired Crawford, he came with him. So um, he was the co-offensive coordinator over there, um, also the wide receivers coach. Um, they were they were ranked sixth nationally in total offense, uh, one of the more explosive offenses under his tutelage. And the big thing was that was his first real college coaching job. He Before that, he was a head coach in high school, specifically – or not a head coach. He was an offensive coordinator in um, high school. But all of the high schools were in Georgia. Um, he was a co-offensive coordinator at Colquitt County High School, also the offensive coordinator at Valdosta High School, which I can tell you right now from their Netflix documentary and living down here for the last four years, they are not a program to mess with. Um, he's actually known for uh, somebody that I looked at in the transfer portal, uh, Jaheim Bell, who's a tight end from South South Carolina. He was actually kind of one of his um, most prominent pupils coming out of Valdosta High School. So uh, a lot of connections to Georgia and the surrounding states with these hires on the staff. So let me see if I did a good job of listening to you over the last few minutes. Great presentation. Well done. Appreciate it. Uh, but let me Everybody give you- stayed, stayed with me. Yeah, let me let me go back over the list and then let me okay. ask you a question. And first of all, tell me if I messed anything up. So the the defensive coordinator, so of course, Brent Key, head coach, defensive coordinator is Andrew Thacker, defensive line coach is Larry Knight. Uh, the, Larry Knight, Larry Knight was the original one. He's gone. Okay, Marco so, Coleman. Marco, Col- sorry, golly, sorry, we, we had a whole bad. conversation. Yeah, yeah. Uh, linebackers coach, uh, Jason C- Kevin Kevin Scherer. From, okay. Uh, the Giants and Jason Jason Seymour is doing. He's doing special teams now. Okay, and which uh, is what defen- he put him on in the middle of the season. So now okay. he's got a full season to kind of defensive backs coach is Travaris Tillman. Yes, uh, and then uh, Chris Winkie stays on as a co-offensive coordinator, still the quarterbacks coach. Indeed. Uh, and the other offensive coordinator and tight ends coach is Buster Faulkner. Running back coach Normal Normal McKen- Norval McKenzie. Wide receivers coach Josh Crawford, offensive line coach Geep Wade. Yes. Okay. So I'm obviously most excited about Marco and Brent Key because that's who I know because they're tech men. <laughs> uh, give me give me the coach that you're most excited about and why. Oh, Josh Crawford, 100%. Um, because the biggest thing that was an issue for us, I mean, I like Geep. Um, I will, you know, I live and die by the thing, uh, thinking that 
games are won and lost in the trenches on both sides of the ball. Um, I'm excited. I think Marco Coleman could be good, but I also think the defensive line is one of our strengths. I think they were really good last year. Um, and Geep, I, I kept saying, I part of the reason I think the offensive line was so bad last year, and they got better as the season went on, which proves my point of, I think they were just young. They were young and inexperienced. Like, I, I like Geep, but I think that the offensive line naturally is going to get better. I'm excited about Josh Crawford because not only does Josh Crawford have so many connections in the uh, Georgia area, I think Josh Crawford has the best, most talented group that we could think of. So, and I mean, we've seen from his high school days to last year with Western Kentucky, he can help receivers kind of get more, you know, produce. And with a receiver room of, you know, Leo Blackburn, James Blackstrain, uh, some of the freshmen we've got coming in, the two receivers that I just talked about as transfers, not to mention uh, Chris Lane, who we picked up, you know, a month ago in the portal. I just I think it's going to be interesting to see exactly what he gets out of these guys and how much he kind of helps them with their route running and getting open. His biggest issue last year was that Nate McCollum was the only guy that could get open. You know, I mean, towards the end, Malik Rutherford kind of started to make some moves, but all the guys on the outside, like Malachi Carter, EJ Jenkins, they were big, but they never got open. Every time we threw to him, it was like a jump ball. So I want to I'm excited about the fact that it looks like tech. They still have some size out there. You know, Blackburn is 6'5", Black Strain is 6'2", um, and then, as I talked about, Abdul is 6'3". But a lot of the other guys they've brought in are six foot and under. So they're a lot more shifty. They're a lot more – they're going to be focused on the finesse a little bit more. So uh, for people who, uh, uh, you know, have lived through so many years of Paul Johnson and then four years of the ineptitude of – of uh, Jeff Collins, I'm going to ask you a very unfair question, uh, and it's way too early. And the reason it's unfair is because it's way too early. Mm-hmm. Um, but I want you to give us something right now in January, way before spring practice, way before fall practice. Give us, is there something you're, you look at this staff and you go, tech may be different than we've seen the last few years if this staff does what I think it can do in and just pick an area and and you know honestly the easiest answer I could give would be hey our special teams won't suck you know I mean that we we kind of saw our that, kicker was not bad last year yeah once we, so once, we, uh, once Jude got sat down and right. we got Aiden Burr coming back it could be interesting yeah um, so the biggest so me, thing yeah give me something man I think I, it goes back to the passing game, you know, the pat and even, even under Collins, when he was talking about, I got it, we're getting out of the option. We're going to be, we, Georgia Tech never had a good passing game. They, right. they never, nobody, part of it was quarterback play. You know, Sims was never healthy when he was healthy. He didn't really read defenses. And even when he did read the defense, our wide receivers were rarely, if ever open or had good hands. This is the first time that we're looking, I'm looking at a receiver room. And I'm like, I see like six guys that I feel like could be legitimate contributors. And not only that, we have quarterbacks that, you know, whoever wins the competition, Haynes King, Zach Gibson, Zach Pyron, they can sling it. You know, they've, they've got arm. We so, saw that. So they've got some arm. And like you said, the offensive line was getting better. And if they bring in some new recruits, get some depth, I mean, it it might be that we actually score some points and be a team that people might not want to play 
tougher to play because if our defense can be anything like it was this last year and we start scoring some points, look out. There there might yeah. be there might be a few more wins to be gotten for this football team. Exactly. Great, great point. I th- I think we'll end it on a good note, uh, because this might be a very long, cold winter uh that we're gonna be hope springs eternal, but uh the bad runs are making us nauseous. And uh I hope the bad runs stop. Uh, like we all hope when yeah, when we've got the bad runs. I think runs. we're all with you on that, my guy. <laughs> so uh uh, one last time, uh, tell everybody how they can uh, get a. Actually, let me do it. Go how for about it. that? Uh, it's Joshua. Names. It's Joshua Julian twenty six at outlook dot com is the uh, email for our program right now. Uh, website and branded emails TBD. Uh, but for now, Joshua Julian twenty six at outlook dot com. If you want to, what are we not talking about? Uh, what do you want to make sure is said on the air? Uh, the other thing I'll remind you is uh, you we're not bringing commercials. This is a this is a labor of passion by a Georgia Tech alum and a Georgia Tech fan for Georgia Tech alum and fans. Uh, the best way you can help our show is we all know another alum and another fan. Uh, ask them to give us a listen. Uh, we're we're 21 episodes in. We plan on doing this every week. We'll probably take some breaks during the summer because the students do too, and there's not much to talk about. Uh, but not completely, but uh, we're hoping to bring you, you know, good 40 episodes a year at least. And uh, we would love to continue to grow this organically uh, with Georgia Tech alum and fans. And uh, I'm going to, that's my pitch. That's as good as I get right now. I'm not in heavy sales mode because I just watched that horrible game that I'd yes, like to burn. It's hard to sell people memory. on something that we're, we ourselves are like, golly. We're building, we're building. Let's take the long-term view. Uh, Joshua, any parting words? um not i mean you know it it gets better right it, it, it has to get better because it's really hard for it to get worse right now so this is i i, I want to look back on this show as the lowest point the uh this we had that we had to create a safe space because of those idiots in athens and we are hey man when you beat a team 65 to 7 you could be all the idiot you want <laughs> So uh, it it does get better. Everybody go uh, to YouTube. I'll 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 give you I'll give everybody some homework. Everybody go to YouTube and uh, find the 2014 uh, Georgia Georgia Tech football game. Find the 2014 Orange Bowl highlights. Uh, find some find uh, Lethal Weapon three highlights in the Final Four and uh, find the uh, goodness gracious just find the NIT run from Pastner's first year. You know let's let's find some positive <laughs> highlights. Uh, anything we can grasp at. But uh, for uh, for the fan Joshua, I'm the alum Stephen, and uh, I will finish this episode the best way I know how, which is to ask you a great question that all of you need to answer. What's the good word? <laughs>